Welcome to the New Abbey Podcast. We have a special friend and guest and author, Alexander John Shia, who's going to be teaching us today. And the conversation's called Reimagining the Cross. The question for you all to get started with is, what does the cross mean to you? Enjoy. I have the great pleasure of introducing you all to Alexander John Shia. Uh, Alexander has been uh, a friend of our communities for some time. We got a mutual friend uh, in Rob Bell, and Rob introduced Alexander and I together about three years ago. Um, we've done like four or five events together now. We've done some parties, and he's come and speak, spoken, speaking, spoke. Spoken, speaking. Yep. Uh, yeah, do this for a living, no big deal, um, at New Abbey. And Alexander's just one of those people who is like a walking Wikipedia page. So particularly when it comes to just Christian tradition and anthropology and sociology and kind of psychology, all these things of how do you mix it together and gives us like a much deeper understanding of, hey, here's this thing like the cross um, and what does it actually really mean? Not where are we at now? And so I'm just so excited for him to teach this morning. He is brilliant. He is an author. He is a speaker. He takes people on the Camino every year. So if you've got six weeks to spare in the fall, this is your guy. Um, and without further ado, Alexander John Shia, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So, yay, it's on. All right. So I'm energetically challenged this morning with something that my doctor keeps saying, it's just a sinus infection. So, uh, that's why the drink in the hot water. Um, can we uh, have that first slide? I have a much longer presentation that I'm just going to... Yeah, let's, let's stay with that one. So for those of us who are a little bit of gray hair in here, you'll remember something called the Encyclopedia Britannica. Which was before Wikipedia. Um, I don't know if anybody here has got, I've got this weird idiosyncrasy, which is every once in a while I love to watch a movie starting in the middle and seeing if I can figure it out. Does anybody else do that? Well, here's the, the challenge for Christianity is You've been watching a movie in the middle for about 800 years, and you don't know how it started. And it's, quote, unquote, the cross, which the theme song of this is, hold on to your seat, the cross does not refer to Golgotha. So let's go to Wikipedia. A hundred years ago, Wikipedia said, The cross is an emblem that has been across the world in almost every culture for about 8,000 years. And the cross, and unfortunately, one of the slides that uh, uh, Corey and I X'd out this morning uh, by mistake and then it, never to be found again. Um, the cross as an image was a very primary image in the Middle East for 2,000 years before the life of Jesus. So one of the things we've got to be very careful about is we think when we pick up the scriptures and we read that Jesus said, pick up your cross and follow me, do we have that text, Corey? 
Yes. Now, you'll find um, a variation of this text in Matthew, Mark, and Luke about pick up your cross and follow me. We think we know that that means crucifixion in Golgotha. But the word cross has got a 2,000-year history in the Middle East before Jesus uses this term. So let's go to the next image. Yes. Jesus did not die on the cross. Jesus died on something that the Romans called the stella, or the pole. And it's this. As you'll, you'll see this, this uh, sketch of the condemned person walking to the place of execution carries the heavy crossbeam lashed to their, sh their shoulders. And uh, any of you who were very involved in, 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 in gymnastics will understand that this is much harder than if the condemned person was carrying something which had a tail that is going to balance you. But so this beam on the shoulders is what Jesus was most likely carrying. And then the condemned person is brought to the place where there is a permanent pole of execution called the stella, and the condemned person is then raised up onto the stella with the beam. The beam is put into this very large uh, niche that's up at the top. And then the execution proceeds. So this black marker, this heavy black mark here, is effectively the shape of what Jesus died on. And... Christians never referred to it and didn't draw it for 1,200 years. Let's go to, to the next image. Now, you'll see here another image of, of execution with this long pole and the person being executed hanging from this top beam. Let's go one more. Ah. This is what has been known around the world as the cross. And this is what early Christianity called the cross for hundreds of years. It's really interesting. Art history is so important to us because it, it tells us how we've been, we walked into a movie 800 years ago, which we can't find in the first 1,200 years. Crucifixion was not part of Christian art until the 12th century. There are no images of Jesus on a, on a stella pole before the 12th century. What Christian art shows are going down into the waters of the Jordan, birth, coming to the Magi, resurrection, um, teaching miracles, parables. No images of Jesus on this pole. But this is first century Israel. And anybody who can guess what this is? It's the baptistry. And there are some people, like James Carroll is one of my favorite authors, and I, as an author I know that um, there's a lot of omission and error that's in my work that succeeding generations will probably correct. Well, one of the things that James Carroll has erroneously put out is, is that the cross had no function in Christianity until the time of Constantine in the 4th century 
wrong. He was looking for something around people's necks or on the walls of the places where people uh, gathered for worship. This is the baptistry. And I've got a file of many, many, many of these first, second, third, fourth century baptistries across the known world. They're all in this shape. What might this shape have been? Why was this the cross and not that earlier image of what I'm going to call the T? In the Middle East, this image was on the breast of the Assyrian kings. In the Middle East, this image was uh, associated with Pharaoh. Uh, and as you go through all the various cultures of the Middle East, there is this image of what I call the four-armed equidistant cross, not the stella that Jesus died on, the cross. And what this meant in all those other cultures was healing, wholeness, integration, vitality, and ongoing life. In fact, you will see images from Egypt of the pharaoh touching this image, using this image, and touching it to a person who is dead. So, now, we would say, why might Christianity have chosen this image as its core symbol in those early centuries? And you, as a community, know that answer, although you may not know that you know that answer, because you are an image of early Christianity. People who came to follow Jesus in those first five centuries had to leave their homes, and many of them had to leave their families, they had to leave their tribes, they had to leave their cultures behind. Because before first century Christianity, before the teachings of Jesus, there was no tradition that we can find on the face of the planet that said there's one source and that calls everybody to be brother and sister. And that as brother and sister, we can live together. Now, just try to imagine what that was like 2,000 years ago. That for the very first time, and yes, Judaism had the teaching that everybody comes from the same source. But Judaism organized themselves as, um, if you're of a Jewish mother's blood, you're over here. And if you're of any other blood, you're over here. Christianity is the first tradition on record of practicing a room and a table where anybody could draw together. Christianity is the first tradition. It's not there in Buddhism at this point in Buddhism's history. It's not there in Hinduism. It's not there in the Greek religions. It's not there in the Egyptian religions. It's not there in, in indigenous traditions. There is no tradition that we can find a record of on the face of the planet before first century that said there is a table and a room and it no longer matters who your mother's blood is. Now, that idea that we can come together as one people around a table, male and female sitting side by side, 
poor, slave, and rich sitting side by side. Educated and uneducated sitting side by side. People from Gaul and people from the Middle East sitting side by side. That's a great vision. It's exciting. It's kind of like the world's best pep rally or, or, or rock concert. But what happens as that group of people try to live with each other? What happens when you can just hear the grumbling? You know, it's really great that the slaves are in the room with us, but how long has it been since they had a bath? And, you know, those people from the South, they speak funny. And those people from the North, they're opinionated. And on and on and on. And we actually can see over the course of the first century that Christian communities, which had this idea, vision, and new practice of everybody comes together. But by the end of the first century, what's happened? We're killing each other out of our judgments, out of our all the old jealousies, all the old sense of privilege, all the old um, categories and, and power statements have come back. And so Christianity begins to do something, and it uses this image to do it. And the cross became the baptistry, and the baptistry is the cross. They were the one and same reality, not for a ritual, but early Christianity learned that we couldn't just have someone profess the name of Jesus Christ and then go about their life. That to be in this room meant that we were going to learn how to live with each other in a way which is different from how our culture treats us and how our culture teaches us. That in this space, gay and straight, male and female, trans, wealthy, poor, slave, free, that in this space we are going to do the, the, the greatest folly ever, which is to, to try to reach to be brothers and sisters. Because in those first five centuries, if you became Christian, your family threw you out. You didn't have a home to go back to. You didn't have a village to go back to. You didn't have a family to go back to. This room, this table, was going to be your family. And we had to go through a process of teaching ourselves what would be the practices of this new form of human relating that we would abide by in this space with each other. Because in those days, none of us were born to think of being quote-unquote pan-tribal. We were all born to think of our culture and our village and our god or our goddess or whatever as being the most important and more important than anyone else's. So let's just um, look at the next slide. Just want you to get an image of these baptistries, not because it's not the baptistry itself, but it's that this cross, which is in four parts, became the image for early Christianity to understand that if you're going to be part of a family where we want to learn how to treat each other as brothers and sisters, that you're going to be on an ongoing journey 
And that ongoing journey in Christianity has got four parts to the journey. That was their number for it. We don't have to make it four. It could be seven. It could be 11 and a half. But they understood that the ongoing journey to live as the family of Jesus the Christ has got four parts to it, and you're ever going around these four parts. And in my work, I put the name on it. The first part is how you face change, and the second part is how you move through trials and sufferings, and the third part is how you receive joy, and the fourth part is how you learn to mature in serving. But whatever those four parts are, Early Christianity did everything in fours, not as a ritual, but because four was their image to remind people, you are in a journey of transformation. You are constantly in a journey of transformation to learn how to be a deeper brothers and sister to each other. And that Jesus the Christ is not only a person, a reality. Jesus the Christ is a journey. And Jesus the Christ is the journey of facing change. And Jesus the Christ is the journey of moving through trials. And Jesus Christ is the journey of receiving joy. And Jesus Christ is the journey of learning how to mature in service. And so therefore, this image, let's go to, to, the, to the next scene. And I love this. This is from the sixth century. And this is sort of a high art of the baptistry and the cross. Um, and it's paradise. This is 6th century Tunisia. And the cross and the baptistry has become the Garden of Eden because we understand that if we are choosing a life of ongoing change, of constantly moving through trials, of constantly reaching deeper for joy and maturing in service, that that will be not reaching for paradise after this life, but that will be reaching for paradise here. And so people were baptized into the journey and understood that that journey was a paradisial moment and that your whole life was about living in this paradise. Let's go one, one more step, and I just want to begin to show you what, all right, so now we're beginning to see the cross as something that we might be more familiar with. And what happened here is we met the Celtic world and the Celtic world's great image was the tree, the sacred tree, that the sacred tree that joined the overworld, the underworld, and this world. And so what we did is we took the cross of the baptistry and we literally stood it up on end. We still kept the circle, we still kept the four. You can see the four parts. We just stood it up on end to be tree form, to give the Celts a way to understand our tradition and our practice. So just a, a few more slides. This is probably one of the, the greatest examples of the cross, which is not just the the large cross, but that within each of the four is also the small cross. And again, in the early Christian's name, the four points of the cross stand for four different practices. One point is how through the life of Jesus the Christ will you face change? 
over and over and over. How through the life of Jesus the Christ will you face trial and move through it over and over and over? How through the life of Jesus the Christ will you receive joy? And lastly, how through the life of Jesus the Christ will you mature in service? Let's go just one, one more. So when we see the cross, not from the middle of the movie, but from its beginning in Christianity, we're looking at the practice which reminded us that we're on a journey to be brother and sister with each other. And that that journey is not always easy. It's going to have times of tension and conflict. Uh, and it's going to have times of great joy. And it's going to have times where we will do tremendous service. But when we look at this image, we're not being reminded of Golgotha. We're being reminded of resurrection because it is the power of resurrection that allows us to move through the four places on the journey over and over and over again. Many, 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 many years ago, I used to have a poster in my office. I worked for a long time. I worked for the Catholic Church. I used to have a poster in my office, and it read, never put a period or for those who are not from the United States, a full stop, where God put an apostrophe or a comma. The life of the gospel is not about crucifixion. The life of the gospel is about vitality and resurrection. And we need to move through the trials to the place of resurrection. But this image for a thousand years in Christianity was not the image of death. It was the image of how we move through our life over and over and over again to more vitality, resurrection, and greater creativity, love, compassion, reconciliation, justice, etc. So the question back to you is perhaps how from what I've just shared, how might you reclaim the cross in your life? Thanks for listening to the New Abbey Podcast. For more information, visit us on the web at www.newabbey.org.